Happy Sabbath Downers Grove Church. <laughs> this is my privilege to be with you today during the Sabbath worship. Uh, I had an opportunity to be a couple of times, I believe, uh, in your sanctuary during the week, like uh, it was a play performed by uh, Hinsdale Academy and my daughter was playing here. So that was one occasion and maybe another one, but for the 12 years that I've been in Illinois Conference, I never had a chance, an opportunity to be uh, during the Sabbath worship with Downers Grove Church. So this is a very precious moment for me. Even more because uh, usually as a pastor, you sit on the platform when the children's story is told. And today I was blessed. I was with children sitting right there with them. A uh, few words about myself. I was born and raised in Poland, as you probably can hear from, my, uh, from the way I speak English. I try to speak English. Uh, I started my pastoral ministry in Poland in 1985. Uh, I came to the United States in 2006 to serve in Illinois Conference, and I was a pastor for Polish, then Polish and Deer Park, and Naperville Church for those last uh, 12 years. Uh, last year in June, I was called to serve in Illinois Conference as a plan giving uh, department consultant. So I am trying to fill into a position that Paul St. Villiers was, was serving for all those years. Uh, you know, it's not able to replace him. I am just doing my best to serve to you know, the best of my capacity in, in this uh, area of ministry. And this is, this is pastoral ministry when we are talking about plan giving department. By the way, you know, uh, the, the advertisement for what we are doing in Illinois Conference, the plan giving department is uh, willing to prepare documents of will, powers of attorney for free for all our members. So if you do not have your will, well, maybe it's time to, to think of preparing this kind of document. Even when you think, you know, I do not have any, any wealth. Well, if you have minor children, uh, it's probably enough wealth to, to think of your, of your will. And some situations that we do not plan for, but as even recent, you know, events in our conference proved, they happen, even for people that are relatively uh, young. And it's better to, to plan for yourself and to use some assistant that, assistance that is available. We do not prepare those documents by ourselves. We have a, a law firm that is working with Illinois Conference, so all the documents are prepared, drafted, and approved by the lawyer and the person that is preparing them. So if you are interested, just talk to me after the service, and I would be more than happy to, to assist you in this process. I am married uh, with Majana, and we have two children, Elijah and Juliana. They used to be students in Hinsley Academy. Right now, both of them are studying at Andrews uh, University. And because of their study at Hinsley Academy, a uh, 
Downers Grove Church member was actually the first person that we met when we first came to the United States in 2006. It was Mrs. Patricia Williams that was a uh, principal of the, of the Hinsdale Academy and what an experience it was to meet the principal of school with, with nice, warm, natural smile, inviting children to school, showing the school around. It was completely different experience than my school experience back years ago in Poland under the uh, communism or socialism that was the time in Poland. And definitely when I'm thinking of my first great teacher and uh, the experience I had and the school pictures that I have with my teacher, it was definitely not a smiling, not a fun experience. So I am really glad and I believe I am, I am really blessed that, that our kids had this opportunity to go through uh, Adventist education. It's a sacrifice, as all parents know, but it's a blessing as well. I hope you are not tired with the topic of the book of Revelation. We have quite a lot. We had another lesson last week. Uh, so we have the printed materials of our quarterly available. There are like two books that are advertised in the quarterly that we can read about the book of Revelation. Uh, if we subscribe to some channels on YouTube, we can have, you know, lesson study from different sources, from different perspectives. It could be too much sometimes. It could be too much. So I hope I will not be the, the, the straw that broke the camel's neck today. And definitely it is not my intention by any means to, to give any kind of comprehensive you know, lecture about the book of Revelation. But I would like to encourage you today to read the book of Revelation as a book. What's the difference between what we are doing in Sabbath school right now and reading the book of Revelation as a book? Well, there is the saying to, to miss the forest for the trees, yes? You can so concentrate on an element that consists a bigger reality that you, you miss this bigger reality. And it is possible when we are studying the book of Revelation that this is exactly what will happen to us. We, we, we can concentrate so much on those details that are in the book of Revelation. We can be so preoccupied with all the questions for which we do not find satisfactory answers. And I have my, my set of questions about the, you know, the content of the book of Revelation where I still look for satisfactory answers. I have some options that have been given to me, but, well, in some cases I cannot say they, they satisfy me, okay? So we have those, and we can be so concentrated on them, we can be so preoccupied with them that we may miss the bigger picture. You know, sometimes when we ask people about the book of Revelation, what the book of Revelation is all about, we will get this kind of answers. Oh, there are those beasts in the book of Revelation. 
And, and this, is, this is true answer. There are beasts in the book of Revelation. Oh, there is this mark of the beast in the book of Revelation. And lo and behold, there is one there. There is the image of devil in the book of Revelation. Yes, it is. But if we would ask ourselves, but as a book, having 22 chapters filled with many verses, what's the book all about? Is there any, any like leading theme in this book? You know, it is interesting to look at the book of Revelation in the context of our whole Bible. We are blessed with Bibles today. The, the times that, you know, there was like one Bible in the church that was chained to the wall are long gone. We, we, are, we are flooded with different kind of translations, editions, uh, form sizes, colors, you name it, you name it. Many of us are using, you know, the electronic Bibles in our phones, in our tablets. We have plenty. We definitely do not have shortage. And when we look at our Bibles, we find something interesting. When we go to the first two chapters of the Bible, we find the story of creation. We find the beautiful, perfect, sinless world that was created by God. And then in chapter 3, something happened that completely changed the course of, of events from previous two chapters. The reality of sin. The world as we see today, even though it still testifies about the, the, the might and the creative power of God who loves beauty, we can still see this around us. The world as we see is deprived today. It's stained with the problem of sin. And when we read our Bibles, we find that sin, as defined in Bible, is something more than the, the single act. Sin is a condition. I believe that we sin in meaning we perform, perform sinful acts because we are sinners. It's not like we are sinners because we are performing those acts. No, we are performing those acts of sin, those sinful acts, because we are born sinners. What it means? It means that we are born and right there we have the capacity for good and evil. We are born and we can mix in our life evil and good actions. You can see this in, in yourself. You can see this in your children. You can see this in, in other humans throughout human history. Think of those people who were officers in concentration camps 
in Europe, like you know, some of them were located in Poland. Doing terrible things for people that were locked in those places, and yet, after their hours of work, they were going home, kissing their wives, hugging their children, feeding their fish in tongue, and taking their favorite dog for a walk. Tender, loving, caring. And the very next day, they were going back to work and doing the same things. How it is possible? It is possible because of depravity of humankind. This is possible because all of us if not for the Savior and the act of God's redemptive power, we are lost in our sins. Without any possibility, without any way, without any chance to leave this vicious circle like the orbit and move to another kind of reality. We are doomed. If not for the Savior. And a man for the Savior. So this is the reality that we find in first three chapters of the Bible, correct? But when we go to the last three chapters of the Bible in the book of Revelation, chapter you know, 20, chapter 21, chapter 22, and maybe the fourth chapter, chapter 19, we find the reversed process. We find the information how God ultimately deals with the problem of sin and how God recreates the world that was intended for us right on the beginning. So on the beginning of the Bibles, in the first three chapters, we have the description of the paradise that lost. And when we go to the last three chapters of the Bible, we find this beautiful picture of the paradise that is, could we say, regained? Because it is redeemed and because it is recreated. And all of this is done by whom? By God in Jesus Christ. So when we come to the book of Revelation and when we find those chapters about the beasts, when we find those chapters about the Marks when we find those chapters about the tenders and there is no explanation what was the message of those tenders and we may speculate, you know, and spend years of, of searching for an answer that is not given for us anyway. Let us not lose the forest. Let us not miss the forest for the trees. It's not only about those things. I believe there are some leading themes in this book. And again, my study today is by no means a comprehensive study. It is not my intention to leave you with the complete set of, you know, answers and the leading topics of the book of Revelation. But I would like to encourage you to do something. Something very basic. Something very basic. What do I mean? I mean reading the book 
of revelation. And you may ask yourself, what he's talking about? We are all reading the book of Revelation right from the beginning of this year. You know, we have the quarterly about the book of Revelation. And that's the problem. And that's the problem. That so many times we read about the book of Revelation, but not the book of Revelation. And you know, I believe, I strongly believe in the value of good books. I strongly believe in the value of like, you know, good, well-researched commentaries. They are helpful. I, I do not deny, I do not deny that. But you know, the first words on the book of in the book of Revelation, in verse three. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. You know, I believe that too many times we are so preoccupied in, on, in finding answers for those burning questions. We want to know what is the answer to this reality that we do not read. That we, before going to the book, we go to the book about the book. And before we start reading ourselves, we already come to this book with certain kind of glasses. And what do I mean? With certain kind of opinions which are not necessarily our opinions. They might be good, they might be not so good, but we did not arrive to those opinions by ourselves. We, we have them because someone whom we consider, you know, more educated, better, you know, versed in this kind of endeavor, gave us those opinions. But right on the beginning, when we go to the book of Revelation, there is encouragement and there is blessing pronounced. Let us not miss the blessing. Let us read the book for ourselves. And one more thing that I would like you encourage to do. I don't know what is your way of reading books, any books. Usually, we read them silently. But that was not the case in the first century when the book of Revelation was read. It was intended to be read, to be read in the church during the service. You know, those days were completely different than the days we have right now. Today we come to the church. First, we have churches, church buildings. They did not have. They were gathering in homes. We have pews in our churches, and on the pews we have what? We have our pew, we call it pew Bible. Yeah? So, you know, many of us even do not bother bringing their own Bibles to the, to the church because we have the pew Bible. We have Bibles in our phones, we have Bibles in our bags, you name it. But when they were coming to the church, there were no Bibles in the church as we know them. 
First, they were not like that. They were not in a form of codex with you know, covers and you know, single separate pages. They were scrolls. This is sometimes when we read this message about the book that was sealed with seven seals, we have you know, different set of imagination. We, we imagine this kind of book where in reality it was this kind of book, yeah? Sealed with, you know, seal and whatever seal was broken, you could have insight to another portion of the scroll. But, you know, they didn't have like the whole set of the books of the Bible. So the book of Revelation was read during the church services. And Jesus himself, who is the giver of the message of this book, so when we say, you know, when sometimes we have the title Revelation of, of, of John, Revelation of Saint John, he's actually the one that conveyed this message to us in a written form. But the message itself comes from God through Jesus Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit. So this is revelation of Jesus Christ because he's the one that is a revealer of the message, but something more. He's the one that is also revealed in this message. So before we go to like, you know, letters to the seven churches, you know, the, the, the seals, the trumpets, and, you know, all other visions that, that John receives, let us remember, let us not lose the perspective that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ because he's the one that is revealing, he's the revealer, but also through the book of Revelation. We can see Jesus as we never saw him before. When we read the book of Revelation as it was written for us, when we go to certain visions and we do not limit ourselves to reading like, you know, certain chapters, certain verses in the chapters, we read as story, as it goes we will find that Jesus is introducing himself to us through the message of this book. And I don't know what would be your impression when you will learn about Jesus from the book of Revelation. But at some point, I found that my understanding my imagination, because we always input our imagination about who Jesus is, was, if not wrong, then definitely incomplete. So when we read the book of Revelation, right on the beginning, we find this very precious information that God and Jesus, they have good intentions for humanity. Right on the beginning, we have the blessing. Right on the beginning, we have this comforting information for John. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This message is not to scare you. And this is how people, you know, see the book of Revelation many times. Scary book. Scary book with terrible messages. But Jesus says, hey, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I came with encouragement. I came with a blessing. 
Do not fear. I am on your side. God has good intentions for humanity. This is one of the main themes of the book of Revelation. God is not interested in your destruction. God is interested in your redemption. God is warning you about some, you know, terrible things that are going to happen, but at the same time, he's the one that is going to lead you through those events. Like we were studying, you know, this week about 144,000, and we had, you know, the discussion in, in our class, in our group. Uh, you know, when we studied just the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation, we may, we may lose the perspective in which the message about the 144,000 appears in the book of Revelation. It appears two times in chapter 7 and in chapter 14. And in both cases, in both cases, it appears as an answer to a certain question that was asked. In context of chapter 7, we have question in chapter 6 when those people are terrified with the sins of the second coming of Jesus. And they see Jesus as a terrible, terrifying person. And the day of his coming is just, you know, horror for them. And they are asking, who can stand in the presence of this one? What is the answer? The answer is chapter 7. God says, by the way, I have people on this earth, who at the same time are going to be extremely happy to see me coming in the clouds of glory. And of course, the book of Revelation talks plainly about the human decisions. God is not just predestining some people for destruction and other people for saving. The main theme of the book of Revelation is that we make our choices. And God is encouraging us to make good choices and at the same time he's warning us about you know, wrong choices but eventually he will accept our choice. He will not force us, he will not break our free will to put us on the right path. He will encourage us to take a good path, but he will respect our choice. So the good God that has good intentions for people is talking in this book, hey, one day or the other or every day of your life, you will find yourself in a situation when you will need to make your choice. And whatever choice you will, you will make, there are what? There are consequences, you know? Whatever you will do, it will bring some kind of fruit in your life, some kind of consequences. And the book of Revelation is about this, that there will be certain, like, you know, the ultimate situations when people will need to make a choice that will decide about their destiny forever. 
the book of Revelation tells us that there will be time that, time that whatever choice you will make, you stick with it forever. There will be time that there will not be another opportunity to say, oh, that was a wrong choice. Let me reconfigure it, okay? This is my position right now. No, the book of Revelation says that, you know, with all the suffering, all the injustice, injustice that we face in this world, the loving and at the same time just God will not wait forever with the final solution. And at the same time, the book of Revelation plainly says that it is not like because God is loving, he will save everyone. We, we definitely do not find this kind of picture in the book of Revelation that, oh, God is so loving. He will lovingly curve and, you know, make true everyone to the salvation through the gates of heaven. This is not the picture we have. The picture we have is that, hey, you make your choice. God is standing by to help you with every good choice. The Holy Spirit is there for you. It's touching your heart, it's touching your mind, it's inspiring you with good thoughts, it's transforming you, it's bringing you, drawing you closer to God, but you make your choice because the time is coming when there will be no choices anymore. All the choices will be done, ours as human race and God's as well. And then, as the book of Revelation says, Jesus is coming. But, you know, the main point is that God has good intentions for humanity. The book is not to scare us. The book is to encourage us, to show us the picture of Jesus that is more than, you know, a, a child in a manger. We see those, you know, powerful, beautiful chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5, that John as a human being is invited in the vision to enter the heavenly reality. And he sees who God is. And, you know, our understanding who God is, what holiness of God means, can expand so much when we read the book of Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. And I can assure you that when you put aside all the commentaries, all the books of about the book of Revelation. And I, I would like to encourage you to at some point to say, okay, I have all those, you know, good books by, you know, good, you know, well-versed authors about the book of Revelation, but let, let me do my own experience. Let me put all those books aside and with prayer, let me read through the book of Revelation as it was written and ask myself, I may not know all the symbols that are, you know, presented in the book of Revelation. I will definitely not be able to connect all the historical events to symbolically portrayed historical events in the book of Revelation. 
you know, we definitely will not be able to do it just by reading the book. But, Lord, help me to find the flow of the book and what the book is all about. And, you know, we come, I believe, to several conclusions in this book, like, you know, the one on the beginning, that God is on our side. The other definitely will come, will arrive to this conclusion that the book of Revelation is talking us, telling us, and this is not a Seventh-day Adventist idea. This is not a Seventh-day Adventist idea. This is the idea that we find in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, and we find it without any commentary. We will arrive to conclusion that there is a final turmoil that is coming. There is final testing time that is coming and evidently the book of Revelation in chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 17, 18, 14 tells us about some universal powers. Not some local powers and local events. Some universal powers because he's talking about all the people on the face of the earth that will be either encouraged on the beginning then by deception, and the topic of deception is going through certain chapters of the book of Revelation. What is deception? Deception is a situation that you take for truth something that is not. Why? Because it looks so much like the real thing. You know, this is the deception. You, you won't go to, to, to the bank uh, with a three dollars bill. You, you won't. Why? Because there is no three dollar bill. But if you go with your 20, with your 10, with your 100, then you can talk about the counterfeit. Because counterfeit counterfeits something that is real. And the book of Revelation is talking about some kind of big-scale counterfeit with the main leading, leading topic of worship. When you go chapter 13 of the book of Revelation, you will find several times the idea of worshiping, 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 but someone, a power that is definitely not God. And then you go to chapter 14 and you have God calling us to worship him only. And the events that are described in the book of Revelation are definitely not like, you know, small, local. They are definitely described as, you know, worldwide events. Universal world power when not only persecution, but the ultimate decision about life and the death will be presented. And the topic will be definitely the topic of worship. So, you know, even though we, by the act of reading, we are not able to bring all the, you know, historical details and all the explanation on, of every, you know, detail and every symbol that is there, we definitely will grasp, I believe, this idea that, hey, there is something going on here that is described quite plainly. Some universal, some worldwide uh, 
conflict and the time of testing when people, by being forced or deceived, will be in danger of making wrong decision. And if this is the case, even more important is to know what is the true thing. I remember, by the way, if you find this one, please contact me. Several years ago, somewhere on the internet, I, I saw this picture of Japanese bankers in, the, in their, you know, suits, on their knees, on the huge copy, I'm sorry, huge and large copy of $100 bills. What they were doing? They were studying all the details of, guess what, the counterfeit $100 bill or the real one? Why the real one? Well, because, because you know, the, the possibilities or to, counterfeit, to counterfeit $100 bills are unlimited. You can always come up with another idea how to counterfeit the real one. So only by knowing the real one, you will be able to grasp that something is not right here. So I would like to encourage you to read the book of Revelation. Go through your Bible without a commentary without even Sabbath school quarterly, although I encourage you to study your Sabbath school quarterlies, but try to read the book of Revelation as it is. And then when you are through, you will come to the best piece, to chapter 20, chapter 21, and chapter 22. And in those chapters we find, I believe, the most beautiful message of the book of Revelation. John is given this vision of holy city, New Jerusalem, Jerusalem, coming down from God, from heaven. And we have this explanation that there is no temple there. There is no need for sun there. There is no need for the light of the moon there. Why is it so? The book of Revelation says, because God himself will dwell with them. And that's the most incredible message of the book of Revelation which is telling us that whatever was lost, and what was lost, we go to the third chapter of the book of Genesis, and we have this, this old story that, you know, one morning God is coming and walking through the Garden of Eden, and he finds that Adam and Eve are not there. But being God, he knows they are there, you know? That's not a big mystery. They are there. So, What's the problem? 
imagine yourself being a parent, you have like, you know, small kids, and I remember when, when our kids were small, you know, when, when they are teenagers, the things started, you know, oddly changing, but when they are small, you come home after work, what, what children are doing? They are coming, cramming through you, you know, hugging, kissing, they are happy, daddy or mommy are home. How would you feel, what would you feel if one day you come home and you know the kids are there and for some reason you enter your home and there is this dead silence. And you know they are there. They didn't leave your house, they are there. What, what is going on through your mind? How would you feel as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, if you find that you come home and your children whom you love so much are deadly terrified of you? And this is the picture we find in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. Our parents, Adam and Eve, are terrified, terrified of the loving God. This is something that we should add to the description of what sin is. We are attracted to what is harmful and we are by our nature, unless we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, we are afraid of something that is actually good for us. And this picture, this condition is completely reversed in the book of Revelation. God will dwell with them. And you know, we may have different opinions about, you know, the holy city, the golden streets and, you know, stuff. And, you know, for me, forget the golden streets. For me, the most important thing is we will dwell with Christ, will dwell with God. And, and this, the size of the city that, you know, the width, the length, and the height are the same can remind us some other reality when God said, and they will build me a temple so I can dwell with them. And the most holy place in the, in the Jewish temple was this cube-shaped room. So maybe there is some reality that is, you know, projected there in the sanctuary about the dwelling of God, and that was the place where God was dwelling, the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe God is telling us something by the, by the size of the city, that maybe it's not so much about, you know, the golden streets, and I am always amazed how John knew all those names of those precious stones, being a fisherman himself when he was young, yeah? And, uh, but hey, the most beautiful message, God will be with us. And the book of Revelation ends with an invitation. It's not like God wants us to keep this for ourselves. It's not like he wants us and he says, blessed you are when you read, to read just for yourself. In chapter 22, verse 17, it says, and the spirit 
and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The book of Revelation is not the message that should just terrify us about the future events. But that's the invitation of Jesus Christ for us to come, but if we are on our way, to send the invitation around and tell other people, why don't you come with us?